Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. I'm MK. Did you like my emphasis that I accidentally did in the weird spot that intro? I, I did. I was confused. I did, but it's okay. It Sometimes I forgot forget which name we're supposed to say. So you know, it's fine. It's fine. It happens. Um, how are you though? <laughs> you know. I am doing all right. I think this is the week, this week that just passed was when I finally just like gave up on teaching for the year. Um, I'm done. I don't, I don't even know how to pretend that I care about finishing the year. Um, mm-hmm. On Friday, my seventh graders, uh, we baked bread pudding. We didn't do English well, class. Uh, we just baked mm-hmm. bread pudding. It was great. Um, to be fair. Both Thursday and Friday this past week, it was 91 degrees. Yeah. My school does not have an air conditioner. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I had my vent, like my air purifying vent, and two fans on, and all four windows open, and I was still sweating. Thursday night, I had promised my sixth grade girls that I would go to their softball game because I have missed all their other games this season. So I sat outside and watched a softball game in 91 degree heat. No. So then Friday morning, um, we baked bread. I was not, I was not, because everyone was like baking bread when it's hot out. I don't see how that makes anything better. I was like, the kitchen has air conditioning. Oh, so we made, the, we made the bread and then we just stayed in the air conditioned part of the building for the next um, hour and a half. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Because um, I am a great teacher. <laughs> I was like, June is no longer for learning. June is no longer for learning. No, if they, if, if they don't know it by now, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. I think that's really I, fair. I also found out that Dan's school um, is done. Like, even his teaching without students' days are done. Luck. A solid week and a half before me. His last day is the 13th, and mine's not till the 22nd. That is before this date. This comes out on the 15th. Oh, he's done my. before this He's done before this podcast up. comes out. That is some. Bullshit. I was like, what are you going to do for nine whole days where I still have to work and you don't? You're going to be so bored. You're going to have to come visit me. Like, yeah, you probably will just, or like, I don't know, catch up on literally anything that he has not done in the last six months. But it's like, TV show. I'm only mad because I don't get to. I understand. I understand. (laughs) I, I just came out pretty mad. I, this doesn't affect me. I'm not. I'm still I'm working. Even, you're like, I still work through the summer. Like, I don't Yeah. I don't, I don't have a three-month vacation. I don't get a summer break, and I still came out hot about it. So I don't know. Like, it's just a time. How are you? <laughs> well, aside from being mad at Dan now, um, I guess I'm okay. But uh, speaking of June not being for learning, I signed up for a class on Coursera. <laughs> Um, called Who Really Wrote Shakespeare or something like that. I'm only in the first week. So mm-hmm. I'm like, and it's 
pretty fascinating and it's really fun because the teacher in there you can tell she's real conspiracy into this like shakespeare like she knows who wrote shakespeare regardless of who it is which is funny because i was say it's that's only really funny to me because i wrote my um undergrad my my not my actual undergrad thesis because i had to do Mm -hmm. that based on the, that one was about comedy, but my theater history final, like my double semester huge yeah. theater history final was my about research paper. And I am absolutely pro Shakespeare being one person. Yeah. And I feel <laughs> well, like I'll tell you how I feel at the end of the Okay. Course. I can't wait to find out. But I also, I did all my research 14, 15 years ago. So who Things knows what has come. I'll bring you new information, but no, this woman definitely is like bought in to, I like, she has, she won't say it because she's like, I'm not giving you my thoughts because we're going to, but you can tell. Oh. Um, but speaking of theater, totally wrote the date wrong on last Target episode. And last Sunday was the Tonys. So <laughs> mm. sorry, should have said that. Watch the Tonys on the 11th, but watch a recap. I'm sure they're going to have it. Cause it's all streaming. Um, yeah. Can't wait. But, but also, we haven't watched it yet, so we can't discuss it. <laughs> right, no, we can't discuss it. I just want to make sure everyone knows it's existing. Yeah. Um, because they did fight to get on there and not affect the writer's strike at the same time, which was good. Kudos to everyone. Um, they did it. So I did see one more Tony Nam this week, because, of course, it's a new week, new Broadway show that I saw. Um, I went and saw Life of Pi. <sighs> So, Did you love it? Yeah. Oh, yes. So I was going to say, I have not read the book. I have not seen the movie. I did not know what, like, I mean, I vaguely knew what it was about because I read. Um, I don't even care about the story. I just want to know if the puppets were as magical as I think they are. So I was in second row orchestra, so I couldn't see the projections on the floor. Mm, but even okay. without seeing the projections on the floor, Still think it should win best, like set design. No questions asked. The puppets were incredible. They did the puppeteers did an incredible job. Oh my god! The um, guy who plays Pi, yeah, also win best actor. Like I, yeah, like um, what is? Oh, I got to edit two episodes today. Um, <laughs> so by the time this comes out, you'll know we're doing like a bonus Tony's episode for yeah. Unseen Artists, right? And I, it comes out. A week ago from today basically but we went through all this discussion without me seeing life of pi and i was like oh this should win this this should win this i haven't seen life of pi but this should still win no no life of pi should win everything oh my God. um there was like one thing they were nominated for that i was like eh, it's fine yeah. i guess i don't know but everything else their set was incredible they had like moving pieces they had a turntable set like honestly blew me away I have read the book. Um, I don't remember it, like, details specific, because, you know, I've read a million books. Um, But I just, the puppetry, the images, I haven't seen it, obviously, but the images I've seen of the puppets, I just want to die. And the illusions, I think I'm using that word correctly, he made between, like, the different stories he told and how they lined up. Like, I, again, haven't read it, haven't watched the movie, so it's yeah. not prepared. Yeah. Beautifully done. Absolutely incredible. The playwright, the director, kudos. Kudos. Everyone goes see Life of Pi. It's, yeah. I think it has an open run. If not, it's still it's still good to, like, August or September at least. So 
mm-hmm. you get time to yeah. go see it. Um, oh, absolutely. I'm get to New York at some point this summer. So good. Yeah, I'll be here. Except the week that you're also in London, I won't be here. But yeah, that's so fine. That's obviously, <laughs> not worried about that, that week. Um, but yeah, so I could talk about Life of Pi for the next two hours. But instead, I would like to have my own form of spiritual guidance, unlike Pi. Please enlighten me. Honestly, I didn't know you were going to talk about Life of Pi. And this is not directly related to that. But I feel like because we're talking about art and illusion and puppetry and, and uh, colors and projections, it fits perfectly. Um, my quote is very short, very sweet. We live in a rainbow of chaos. Ugh. By Paul Cezanne. So true. Yeah. Ugh. The truest thing I've ever heard. I love it. Yeah. Um, also, unfortunately, a bit true. Is our uh, American Horror Story episode this week. We are talking season one episode. Mm, I did not write a number. I believe this is episode 10. Um, I can look yes. at the last episode. No, it was 10. Okay. I didn't write the number down. I, I literally wrote was season nine one episode 10? spooky. Oh, God. Was it nine or 10? Let me look at. Oh, it's nine. Okay. Right, because no, because we are weirdly lined up because nineteen, yeah. we and we just did nineteen of right, 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 because we're mm-hmm. we're lined up for the first time ever with that. So y'all, we planned this super hardcore. In case you're wondering, <laughs> I looked at our schedule and realized we were doing two season wrap up episodes in the same recording week, and I was like, how the fuck did we manage that? <laughs> how did we get here? We are pros now. You're Mary telling Kate. me I we have two pros. weeks. Where, you're telling me I have a week where I don't have to watch any episodes, just write notes. What? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Good times. Um, but this week was an episode what week, and it is called Spooky Little Girl. And this is unrelated, but Wine and Crime has a Patreon content called Spooky Little Bitch, and that is all I could think of. But they're unrelated. Um, yeah, no, not related to this. But... But if you listen to Wine and Crime, you'll know. So, um, where am I? Okay, so it aired November 30th of 2011. Just had a Thanksgiving, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I believe the last episode came out on Thanksgiving or day after or, or something. Something like that. Yeah. It was rated 7.8 out of 10, which is, I mean, you know, it kind of just hung out in the, like, same point five point set like, point seven yeah. range the whole time. Which is cool. It's fine. The number one song, Still We Found Love. Number one movie, Still Breaking Dawn, part one. The number one book is Kill Alex Cross by James Patterson. I did not read this series, but I always wanted to because I heard it was really I've heard great things about the Alex Cross series. And again, Mm -hmm. same boat. Did not read anything. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've read some James Patterson and I've enjoyed what I've read, but I can't seem to like keep up with it. Like, it's just one of those things. So... On this day, there was a a mass shooting in Texas, because just as a reminder, there were still school shootings in 2011, major ones, and they're still happening today, and they were still happening 10 years before this and 10 years before that. So just want to throw that out there. Mm. Uh, fun, better news. There was a um, artificial 
well, this is only interesting to me. So just hang okay. in there. There was an artificial like bone scaffold created using a 3D printer. And they realized that by creating this, it helped make a quick replacement for bone tissue for like surgeons and stuff. And so they were able to like create this instead of spending so much time doing it with a more real bone tissue. They were like able to create their own, which seems very cool. And I do not know how effective that is today because it was 12 years ago, but I would imagine it's still pretty handy. Save some time. Um, and just grabbed a few birthdays. And I only did this specifically because it is not only Ben Stiller's birthday, Kaylee Cuoco's birthday, but it is our love and favorite human most of the time, Mandy Patinkin's birthday. Oh, yes. So, love Mandy Patinkin, obviously. Obviously. If you listen to our, um, what was that show? Dead Like Me. Dead Like Me, yep. And if you didn't, go back and listen. We talk about how much we love him the entire time. So, it won't, it'll be in every episode, don't worry. Um, the director is John Scott, who we have not seen before. He is known for Star Trek Discovery, American Horror, Sco- American Horror Story, Suits, You. Those are the things people know him from. I will never not mention the show when it is in- included. The Catch is the show that came out ages ago. And I still cannot remember the lead's names. I do this every time I mention it. I've definitely talked about it on another episode. And I also think it has the most genius... Um, title soundtrack it plays it's where i learned the song strange enough by verite and it is one of my favorite songs of all time and it is the best title track so it was only one season it got canceled and it was a tragedy but you should all go watch it anyways because it was really good fantastic so um our writers were brad falchuk brian murphy and jennifer salt Jennifer Salt has also like co-produced some episodes and she's also co-written on other episodes. We've talked about her. Our editor is Adam Penn and we talked about him on the Piggy Piggy episode because he was editor okay. on that one. All right. Um, because we have not already, today I'll be talking about Matt Ross who plays Dr. Charles Montgomery. Um, as, in case you haven't noticed, I am just picking them out in order of billing on that episode. So like... I that's that's what I that's what I do. I go to the first, highest build person I haven't already yeah. talked about. Right. So it's Charles Montgomery, and uh, he is known for Captain Fantastic, American Psycho. He played Lewis Carruthers, uh, which we just talked about. Um, the Aviator and Face Off. He got a degree from Juilliard and NYU. He has pretty much always been typecast as a spineless corporate type which obviously he was in american psycho mm-hmm. and uh he was he did an interview one time because he plays a guy named albie grant who's gay and people came at him and they were like how does it feel to play a gay man when you're not gay blah blah blah, blah. and his only response was love is love and i was like good for you happy happy pride we are still happy in pride june. it is june yes so i thought that was Beautiful and well said, because there's no reason to say more than that. Yeah. Just is what it is. So normally I've been saying one person, but I had to include a second because this is the only episode of American Horror Story this guy is in. 
And before you even say who it is, my (laughs) first note of this episode was we literally just talked about this a week ago and you did not tell me it was going to be on the show. I didn't realize because I'd completely forgotten because he plays kind of a small, small part. Yeah, no, for sure. The only American Horror Story episode he's in. The only one. And so I completely forgot that he was in this episode at all. Um. It's Joshua Molina, who plays Dr. Curran, the dentist. Um, some fun facts he's known for. A Few Good Men, In the Line of Fire, The American President, Bullworth. But I, of course, know him from Scandal, um, which I assume a lot of people know him from. Yes, a lot of people know him from Scandal. If you don't know him from Scandal, you probably either know him from The West Wing or the newsroom, because he, after working on A Few Good Men, became one of those people in Aaron Sorkin's pocket. Yeah. Or he was, or you know him from Broadway, because he also did A Few Good Men on Broadway, um, which is where I have a fun fact that also will tie into my personal life. I think I've spoken about this before, Broadway bowling. Have I brought that up on the podcast before? Oh. Oh, well, buckle up. There is a Broadway bowling league. That is the light of my life. I will not give away details because I don't want everyone to like burst in there. But all of the like plays have their own bowling league or all of the like houses. So like Hudson has a house and like then, but it's also like the cast members too come and it's super late at night, obviously, because has to be after all the shows are over. Yeah. And the Hudson team hasn't, has agreed that I can come to their bowling nights and I am so stoked. So Light of my life. I will be doing it's it's ended for the season. Of course, I took too long to quit the bar. And so yeah. I have to wait till next season. Now they're doing baseball and I don't care about baseball. But right. or softball, I don't know. One of those. So he did Broadway bowling while he was doing a few good men. And Aaron Sorkin, as you mentioned, was there. And he brought like hamburgers for everyone. And he started choking on one. And even though he didn't know it, um, uh, Josh Molina gave him the Heimlich maneuver and saved him from choking, even though he had no that. training or any information on it. He was like, I can do this, and then did. Um, he yeah, is an avid poker player. He graduated from Yale, and of course, our most recent update on him is that he is currently on Broadway and Leopold Shat, which we could hear on Unseen Artist podcast a week ago. We have a special guest. Um, uh-huh. I also don't know if he's still doing his podcast. I think it might have finished. Because you know how I'm super far behind in podcasts. Right. Of Which all one time. is it that he did? So it's the West Wing Weekly. There's a I mean, West Wing. It's still going, right? There's a lot of those It's episodes. a West Wing recap <laughs> podcast um, that he does. And um, no, they finished in october of 2020 they got through mm. the whole show Good i for them. yeah i'm clearly not there where because i'm not caught up to anything because yeah, you're stuck in the 1900s still uh no really, i'm but... solidly in 2015 <laughs> yeah and you're killing it you're doing a great job yeah doing a great job Thanks. but um, yeah yeah so Joshua Molina, great human, thrilled to be able to talk about him in this episode, even though he's a very small part, <laughs> but we'll never pass up an opportunity to talk about Joshua Molina. 
Absolutely. I literally, like I said, my first note literally was like, I was literally just talking about him. <laughs> yeah. Um, love him. All right. So we start this episode with big band music and what appears to be old time Hollywood because it does not give you the gear when you start like they normally do. I, it, does I literally, it does, but I literally started the episode. I looked down at my phone and I looked up and it had been a chunk of time. And I was like, did I miss what year it was? So I rewound it and then it kept going and I got to where I had watched. I go, no, it did not. Okay. Yeah, I did that too. So that was a, a switcheroo on us this week, which was oh, interesting. Weird. And uh, I'm sure it was meant to build in the anticipation because we do indeed learn it is 1947. And there's a woman who comes into Josh Molina's dental office and essentially propositions him to get her teeth taken care of. And she's wearing a Dahlia. And we learn nothing at this moment, but by knowing that it's 1947, that she's come in, she's going to be a big actress, she's wearing a Dahlia. The next scene we see is a mutilated and um, dissected and um, what's the word? in pieces dismembered. Dismembered. dismembered body and it is a mom and her child rolling up and it is indeed not a mannequin yeah when when i when she said i thought so but when she said oh it's not a carnation it's a dahlia i just wrote oh because the sneak peek courtney gave us last week was that it was a true story well ish, ish. allegedly <laughs> We don't have any real answers in the real Black Dahlia story that's verified. So everything is just alleged around Well, that's why I said true story-ish. I mean, the Black Dahlia murder is a thing that actually happened. Oh, absolutely. No, we don't don't know how it happened. And none of this that happened in this episode is probably what actually happened. But the Black Dahlia murder is a real thing. They did find her body and think it was a mannequin at first. That did happen. No, and and the way it was cut up was correct. Yeah, and the scars on her face and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, welcome to our next episode of American Horror Story that talks about a real true life murder. Um, and that's the credits. Which actually ties into next Sunday's uh, Stargate episode. I have a weird thing about true crime for that. Oh, love it. Yeah. I don't I know what you're talking about. You don't at all know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. I was like, I don't know. No, it, I'm glad I'm not meant to know. <laughs> no, no, no. That was a s- sneak for you, too. Got it. Got it. Excellent. Well, now we've made it to present day. <laughs> and Ben goes into the room where Mora's making up the bed. And he's like, Violet's locked away in her room. I think she should eat something. You should make her a sandwich. And then she asks him for help with the bed. And, of course, starts talking about fantasies and propositioning him again as she does and uh he, he finally tells her he's like i just want a normal boring family and i was like okay that's not really what to aim for like you can still have joy in your life well yeah but boring a normal boring like not crazy is different than like miserable right yeah and also and like I- even when they're in their quote-unquote normal boring life it's anything but boring <laughs> 
there's so right. much happening even right. before they moved into this house right but i think that's what he means everything's been so fucking yeah. fucked up for so long he just he would kill to have the normal so. 2.5 children white picket fence life because right. nothing has ever been that absolutely and like but also i, I was like totally. where is this band coming from i have never met this man no he he hasn't either it's fine and as Morva says she says it's just a matter of time then and she goes on her way to make her sandwich right so then we go to constance who is painting and smoking and travis who we've only briefly met before when he was talking with Addie, um right. comes in from walking her dogs and she's wasted and she's smoking and she's being mean and nasty and he is like i hate when you drink and turns out she's drank like a whole bottle of liquor and she smoked like a whole carton of cigarettes and or a whole pack of cigarettes and he's just like you fi- you've even finished the last cigarette and she just throws her cigarette at him and i was like okay calm down constance yeah. what is happening right and uh but for some reason travis continues to put up with her and he's like you're just drunk you'll be less mean when you're less drunk I was like, all right, well, that's a stretch, but fine. So he goes to get her cigarettes because she's out of them now. And Hayden, out of nowhere, whistles at him and calls out. And he's like, oh, my gosh, is that for me? And she's like, no, it's for the dog, but fine. And then she calls him in and they sleep together because she just can't seem to help herself. She just wants to get into everyone's relationship. I was like, Hayden, you suck yeah make things as messy as possible and she says that so then she's talking to him and he's like i think i just really love constance but i don't know what to do and she's like well you tell her what happened and she's like sex is the only weapon you have against constance because you don't have any money you don't have any like property you literally only have like this and he's like "Mm, no not gonna tell her whatever (laughs) so she's real mad and so she's like fine she's like i get it she's like i didn't sleep with you because i'm in love with you she's like i only slept with you because uh i wanted to make sure i could still sleep with living men because me and dr Harmon are in love and like she still calls him dr Harmon. like look he killed you i mean kind of larry killed you but still he was there like i think you can call him ben now like i think that's how that works so, but that was also very funny that she's like, I just want to make sure I can I also sleep with, also living, with living men. And I was like, but also like, why would she think she couldn't when she knows what Tate has done? Well, maybe she thinks it's like something that like you have to work on. Like, cause you know, like there's ghosts, like, if oh, like so skills, long, like talking. Yeah. So she had to, she had to make sure it was in her ghost repertoire. Right. Right. Turns out it is. So she's fine. Um, And then we flash to Ben, who is in the kitchen, and the missing persons cop comes back with who else but Hayden's sister. And she just goes off. And he's like, I saw Hayden leave your house. And he's like, yeah, no, we went to lunch. Of course you saw Hayden leave my house. And then he's like, I saw you digging in the backyard. And I'm like, okay, if you had all and he of He says, thoughts, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he he's not wrong. But also, if the if the if a cop ever was interviewing me and jumped from 
you someone left your house to go to lunch and then you dug a hole in your backyard i'd be like what the actual yes i dug a hole do you now see that there is a cement based gazebo in said hole that is how digging works like where did you where did that like if he jumped to all these conclusions why have they not been like investigating ben more like right He's like, we opened a missing person's case today, so I guess I'll ask you these questions, even though I definitely think it's weird that six months ago you dug a hole in your backyard. Yeah. And I get, like, it's because the sister's now, like, pressing on it, but still, like, I don't know. But, lo and behold, sister's yelling, everyone's coming a bit hard when Hayden walks in the door. She's And she's she's just like... She's like, I'm fine. I didn't call you back because I thought you were a bitch who wanted my money. And I was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, you don't actually care about Hayden. That's fine. That's fun for her. Um, Because Marla indeed goes like white when she says that and just like backs off. Because, you know, maybe she was calling her for money and she was upset that her go-to was missing and thought maybe she'd get money out of her because she's dead. Who knows? But now the whole world thinks she's alive. And once they leave, she sounds like really reasonable. Like, she's telling Ben, she's like, look, here's what's going on. Everything sucks. Everything's bad. It's fine. And, like, totally okay. And she's like, I had the abortion, so there's no baby to worry about. Like, she's like, look, we're we're just going to let the past go and move forward. And then... Elizabeth walks in and tells her that says that she has anxiety and starts talking about old Hollywood director casting directors and I was like mm, if this is not a comment on the me too movement that is happening currently cuz I think this was right. around the me too time that it started um I think it was a little started, earlier a little earlier, a little early. but mm-hmm. I mean, but it was I mean, still happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a little... Especially was, old-time Hollywood. Yeah, I think too, Yeah, I think 2011 was too early for the mainstream meanness of it all, but... So, uh... She's going through all of this, and... So Ben's sitting down and talking to her, and he's like, like, does oh. not know who she is. I was confused for a hot second. Yeah. Well, first I was confused because he didn't know who she was. But then I was also confused because I was like, if she was mutilated, why is her corpse not? The episode answered it later. So I got, but I was like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. So he doesn't know who she is. And then he's like, we'll figure something out. You know, we'll put out a payment scale. And he's like, do you have insurance? She's like, no. He's like, oh, I just assumed you like had all these projects going. First of all, you don't know who she is. And she's like one of the most famous actresses that was brutally Ever. murdered. Right. And now you're like, I assumed you were a popular actress, even though you still don't know who she is. Like, I don't, where are you coming so, to these conclusions? Right. He's like, I'm an idiot and like probably am not qualified to have any job, let alone the one I have. So like. Right. Yeah. And, uh. Sadly, she also offers herself up for payment, which is what she's done this whole time to get anywhere. And it's very sad and probably also part of the true story. And he has these like obvious fantasies about her, but he actually like steps back. He does the correct thing, which like 
kudos ben one time good job you get one and then he gets the call from the doctor and she's like here's the situation she's like i'm normally not feeling like i should call the father in this situation but your wife is in a psych ward and there's not really anyone else to call and you are her healthcare proxy so i legally have to tell you this yeah and she's like there are two babies and they each have different fathers they're and still twins like, which is right. the most she was like it's a very very rare medical condition um mm-hmm. where and it does not happen almost ever but they were it's the same egg that fertilized and split but they have two different fathers yeah so that's cool i mean we know one's ben's one rubber man we did not know until now that they were not from the same father um because at least up until I this just, point when i, was I just thought that when I, I just assumed they were both tates yes me too me too um but yeah they are not turns out they are one of each so next up constance drops by because we can never get enough constance and uh she is like yelling and moira's like cleaning and whatnot and she's like saying she wants to talk to violet because she knows that she's sleeping with travis <laughs> moira's like she absolutely not would, would not slum that low like she's not she literally she travis. goes she goes her taste in men is questionable but it's not that not bad. bad. <laughs> and uh, turns which was out both that a dig at, which was both a dig at Constance's Con- sex life and her parenting and her child. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we learned that this whole time, more was known that both babies came from different fathers because she tells her about um, Tate being the father of at least one of the children. And does she does she know because she overheard the phone call or does she know because she just has always known i think she's I, always known i think she always knows what's going on in this house i just assumed that she had overheard the phone call or talked to ben i don't think ben would have told her i don't think ben would have told her either but she, and i could see her overhearing the phone call but i think she's just like the one that always kind of knows what's happening in the house she's always there like i mean ben referenced it See, later i just think i think she just would have said something to constance earlier if she knew before i think she may have been waiting to play her card because <laughs> she's also very like manipulative yeah so then she goes to talk to tate and she's like coming at him hard and he's like he's kind of turning into like a child again and it's like really kind of heartbreaking and he's finally he's yeah. just like just don't tell violet just don't tell violet and i was like why'd you do it if you didn't want violet to know like this is on you he dude did it but before. like he did it before he knew how he felt about violet the only the only thing that well, has he happened met violet by then though yeah but he didn't like he met her he thought she was cute but their relationship did not develop i don't think he knew he loved her until halloween i mean you still shouldn't do it even if you're not in love with someone else but fine <laughs> but yeah Agreed, i think you're right was... but his his anger or his fear of violet finding out wouldn't have yeah, mattered yet um i'm trying I to think agree. i think the only the only people he has hurt since he started dating violet were people that he was protecting violet from mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Except for when he almost killed Vivian and he's stressed out about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah. And uh, as we're talking about Constance's parenting, she just beats him and like, sure, he's dead. So like, it's not really going to do much, but still, that was sure he's violent dead. for your child. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then we go back to Ben who walks in on Moira and Elizabeth and he kicks them both out and Elizabeth is distraught. And she's like, you said this would work. You said that it was going to like, it. this would work for him. We would get what we needed from him. And I was like, of course it was Moira's idea. Like she is really pushing hard now that it was gone. And yeah. um, then Hayden comes in because of course she does. Well, and, and because Hayden and Moira hate each other almost as much as Moira yeah. and Constance, it is a yes. little amusing. It is very much so. And so she comes in and Moira leaves. She sits down with Elizabeth, and we learn that Elizabeth doesn't know who she is, which is oh. like, could you imagine if you were dead and someone told you who you are and this is who you are? Like, yeah, but then her oh. reaction is so I you did get her. famous. I yeah she uh so she tells the full story and for those of you who are not familiar the black dahlia is elizabeth short who is trying to be an actress and i imagine that this is an um suggestion at the alleged or at the suspect who is george hodell who was a doctor in the time and in the area that had been proven to be around her Mm-hmm. as one of the last people she saw before she died and so she goes to the dentist and while she did say essentially she would trade services for services he uh did wait till she was asleep and on like out on gas and then he um raped her i will say even because she was not awake even though she technically probably consented i don't care and uh when he goes to wake her back up and pulled the mask off and check her teeth she's dead and so that was her actual death which is why she was not mutilated Correct. um but then dr charles montgomery comes out and he did indeed dismember the body and they placed her out to be found and if that is you, yeah. i'm say if you are curious about the black dahlia murder and you want to hear some fascinating uh insight on it Listen to the podcast, The Root of Evil. It mm-hmm. is a podcast hosted by and made by uh, George Hodel's grandchildren. And they fully believe that their grandfather killed her. Um, his son also wrote a book. Mm-hmm. yeah they talk they talk um, about their uncle in the book too so but yeah. so the, his his granddaughters made this podcast with their uncle and they are all 100 yeah. percent convinced he did it yeah so he's dead and can't be held um for libel now but i will say that he was only ever suspected never convicted yeah so no and, he was never convicted of anything yeah. and everything is alleged but I think that their argument and the proof that they have about the kind of person their grandfather was is pretty convincing. Pretty damning for sure. And um even if he didn't story, even if he didn't kill her, he was not a good person. 
oh no he like abused his children as well and like his daughters and yeah i was like and may and was the father of his grandchild also so yep yeah so he's not great anyways he sucks already and we know that for a fact but after we hear the story very succinct story of the black dahlia we come back and this is where she says i really did become somebody and that is so heartbreaking (laughs) like like she did become somebody but it was like he became like this infamous murder victim which is like what's more heartbreaking than that like and like it's not like it got solved so it's not like your case even like pushed forward anything you know like no it's it's not like it changed laws for certain things or helped with evidence or like helped with forensic dna or helped with a certain kind of like court case or anything or like caught a serial killer you just died and we're all over the newspapers and then never it never did anything else right like if i'm gonna die from a horrible murder i would hope that my murder would be the one that caught the guy or gave you the evidence you needed to catch him and move things forward right or that my murder was the one that changed the way a court processed murder cases or did something but it had an effect that protected someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Also, though, I do not want to be murdered. Oh, no, please no, no. Not that's, not exa- that's not exactly. That's not what we're encouraging <laughs> at all. Yeah. No, please do not murder me. Or anyone else. Don't murder people. It's bad. Murder um, is not the ideal way to solve your problems. No. No, absolutely not. Um, so then we go to visit Viv. And he... So he comes into the um, the room and, okay, I didn't understand my own notes. It's fine. I took them today. I still didn't understand. So he comes into the room and she's been sedated and can't really respond or move or anything. Yeah. And so he starts talking at her and he tells her that he knows that Rubber Man was a fantasy that she created and that he was that she was never attacked in any of this stuff which like could not imagine being in this situation and then he gives this monologue that was actually really well acted but really terrible (laughs) Um, oh yeah no it was it was so powerful like his emotion and his acting like dylan mcdermott fucking killed that scene also ben is a hypocritical piece of shit yeah and he like tells her he's like I know you're like, thank God I'm here because I'm a doctor. Like I'm a psychiatrist. I can get you out of this. And I know you're going through hell. And then he's like, but I'm glad you're going through hell basically. And I was, he was like, like, I, he was like, I Christ. would never do a thing to help you get out of here. And I was like, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Yeah. So then we go back to a flashback of where Ben okay. This confused me because they didn't label it as a flashback oh, at first. No. And then I go, hey, they can't <laughs> leave the house. And then, like, it took, like, 30 seconds for me to be like, I wrote flashback, right? Okay, yes. But because it, it, there was no labeling. Yeah. There was no. And I was like, Peyton can't leave the house. She's a ghost. Yeah, usually they put the year when they flashback. But I think in this one, they relied on the lighting more than anything. Um okay because that's really the only indication you had that until you start hearing them talk, but that was the only right. indication moving into it. Yeah. Um, that it was indeed a flashback. And so this is 
them out at a bar. It's clear that he's still her teacher and he's been like, uh, what's the word? Tutoring her. And once he gets drunk, which is the stupidest thing in the world, she's like, BT dub, I know everything about this and I don't need you to tutor me. I just wanted to be around you because I have a crush on you. And I put men are so dumb. So this is the beginning of Ben and Hayden, which is stupid for them. But then we go to present day and Hayden is kind of like reminiscing about it. And she's like, it was meant to be. She's like, I showed up when you were in a bad situation with your wife and it's like worse now. And he's like, you're right. He's like, but also I used you. I was like, way to be harsh first of all he's like and she's being very rational at this point like these are grandiose things she's saying to an extent but she's saying them very rationally like it makes sense and he's like i use you i don't love you i've never loved you no matter what happens this is just how it is and she handles it really well she does Um, i was actually really impressed with her um in that moment and i was also impressed with him because he just found out that well no because he so first in this episode he has turned down moira he has turned down moira Mm -hmm. and elizabeth um and elizabeth separately so he's already turned down propositions of sex three separate times and he has is angry at viv and has every right to want to they're already separated she asked for a divorce he doesn't have to be loyal to her sure but instead of using the situation to get what he would want to get his emotions out with Hayden, he just looks at her and tells her to her face, I don't love you. I hurt you and I'm sorry, but I don't love you and we're never going to be together and I need you for your own sake to walk away from this. Right. And while it and, seems like this is a very healthy interaction, this should have happened two years ago. Like, Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it should have. I'm not I'm not commending his timing, but I am sure. commending the interaction itself because absolutely. I know way too many people who have been in either one of the three people in that relationship where this conversation never happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's usually the majority of how this type mm-hmm. of situation goes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, so she handles it really well. She asks for a hug, turns it into kissing. They kiss, and then he kind of pushes her away. And then she tells him that he's that Vivian, Vivian is still cheating on him with the cop. That I will never remember his name. Nope, I just call him security man. I call him mom and deal. So that's fine. And so, like, that was a bit irrational, but, like, also, she's hurt. And he already thinks she's cheating, so she's not really, like, adding to it. <laughs> it's already, like, damage is already done type thing. I mean, she just basically just confirmed just... what he was already suspicious of, yeah. only she lied. Right. So, again, definitely more on Ben's side in this situation, which is a weird place to be. Yeah. I am... Um... I might be more on Hayden's for this whole situation because I know, I know, I know it's a weird, your irrational hatred of Ben does not (laughs) make sense to me. Like, I don't think he's a good person. I wouldn't date him, but in this episode, other than the harshness with which he speaks to Vivian, when she can't fight back, 
That is the only time I'm not on his side in this episode. Every other time in this episode, he is doing the right thing. Every other time. And even in the scene, yes, until this very last. I just, the reason we're in this situation is because he was a teacher who slept with his student. And he never stopped leading her on fully until now. So, like, I get, and well, until he killed her and then now. But I get how angry she is and it might be irrational on my part i will i won't say it's not but i might would also feel the same way and react the same way if she was only messing with ben i Mm -hmm. might have more sympathy but the messing around with everybody else in the house all the other ghosts unnecessarily it it takes away any sympathy i could have for her i think that's fair um i think that's fair i and I would be more mad at her if this had any effect on anything that happened moving forward. But it, I mean, other than the one conversation he has with the cop, like there's no effect from this conversation. So right, it's fine. It's because in that moment it is to hurt Ben and I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, but yeah, so then we go to Constance who is with travis and she apologizes to travis she's like i know this is terrible things have been bad it's fine um i've been upset but here's the thing let's get married (laughs) i was like okay we have gone from zero to 60 very fast constance it's fine um she tells him there's a child coming into the house and i was like you are not specifying enough information you're not oh, saying no, if she you're somehow not. pregnant at 60. You're not saying if you're going to steal a child. And you're not saying if you're going to adopt a child. I mean, I, I knew mean. immediately. I knew immediately <laughs> right. that she was going to take Tate's baby and raise it her right. own. Absolutely. But <laughs> there's not enough information here for Travis tra- to make it. Travis for sure did not know. Yeah. And he immediately like laughs like while she's saying this and i was like yes i correct. also that is the correct response if i was travis i would assume that hayden had lied about being able to get pregnant and was pregnant and had told constance and now constance was going to make travis marry her and raise the baby but like they had sex the night before she's not pregnant okay in this show that doesn't matter it was at least a week before uh viv got pregnant it felt like 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Totally fair. Totally fair. So he starts talking about his career. And he's like, I can't really like have a baby in my career. I need to get settled. Why don't we wait till I get settled and all this stuff? And then she just gets mean again. She's like, your career isn't going to happen. If it didn't happen for me, it's not going to happen for you. She she's like, nobody. Nothing. She's like, no, you are not special. Every man in this city has abs and a boring face, which is what you have. <laughs> yeah. And then she like immediately, she's like, I don't know why I thought you were ready for marriage or a child. You're not even a man. And I was like, Jesus Christ, it has been like 30 seconds since you said, will you marry me? And you have gone off hard on him. The worst part is that his response to that is to just know that he loves her more. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So he goes to sleep with Hayden to clear up his head. I'm sure that helps. And Travis like gets out all of his rage and Hayden's like saying how she's not over Ben. She's trying to have her like 
emotional side of it now. And he's just like, okay, I'm out. And he's he's like, hold on. She's like, wait a minute. We're not done here. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're done. We're done. You're good. I'm good. She's like, I'm not. I'm not good. Like, this is not how this works. And he's like, yeah, no, I love Constance. I'm ready to marry her. I think I think she's right. Let's do all of this. I was like, what? This is not then, magical. And then he goes, but don't worry, I'll be back. Yeah. yeah. So you are telling me you do love her. You do want to marry her, but also you want to get your rocks off with me when she pisses you off, which is exactly what the last relationship I was in that I've been bitching to you about was. <laughs> That's not going to fly for me. It doesn't matter that I'm dead. Not how I want to live my life. Right. Absolutely. And uh, so he's being like a super jerk. And she's like, can I have a hug? Never good with Hayden, it seems. And she kills him. (laughs) I was like, well, all right. Well, now he's trapped in this house forever. I just wrote, God damn it, Hayden. I know. And then after she kills him, Elizabeth shows up too. So you now have um, Hayden, Travis, Elizabeth. And then Charles Montgomery shows up and it's like this whole situation. And she's like, it's fine. I have someone who owes me a favor. I was like, Oh God, what's going to happen here? Fucking hell so um, we, yeah. So we follow to a scene where some guys are playing ball and he is found in the same um, way as the black Dahlia was. And we get a quick flash behind his body, and it's Larry standing back there, who has obviously been the one to drop him off. After, of course, Charles Montgomery um, mutilated, mutilated his body. Yeah. So we go back to the hospital, and who else but Constance stops by. And she is like, how are you? How are the babies? And Viv's like, they're going hella fast. She's like, I don't know if you know, this is ridiculous. And Constance is like, yeah, I know what happens. She's like, and she like offers help with the babies because she's like, I know you're a single mom. I'm a single mom. Like, I get it. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's be friends. And Viv's like, can you please leave? But and Constance is like, sure. Nope. Totally get it. I'm out. And Vivian's like, but also before you leave. <laughs> she's like, I need you to know that I was raped and that all of these things happened and I was attacked. But I can't say yeah. that here. They won't let me out. She's like, I need someone to know this happened. And Constance like, Constance, yeah, sure is, thing. Constance is like, absolutely. I'm on your side. I'm going to go get a pastry for Vi. I yeah. have got this. Yeah. I was like, all right. We are having a teamwork of a strange set, but fine. So we go back to Ben, who instead of calling the cop or doing anything normal, he sets off the alarm. So he shows up. And He's like, you know, you could have just called me. <laughs> like, yeah. he didn't have to set off an alarm. And he's like, no. And he kind of goes hard at him. He's like, I know you've been sleeping with my wife whenever you met her. I don't know when that was, but whenever you met her, you slept with her because the other baby's yours. And, and he was like, you <laughs> pretended to be a security guard so that you have an excuse <laughs> to come into our house. That is like, don't get it wrong. You're not staying around this baby. We're going to raise this baby. But I want you to know I know. And he's like, okay, here's the thing. If it were my child, I would be here. He's like, you would not be able to keep me away. But good try. Also, definitely not my child. Did not know your wife then. And I am indeed a security guard. So 
He's like, but also, do you deserve to have your wife cheat on you after the bullshit you've done? Right. Yes. And he's like, so whatever she did, fine. Not my problem. Not my fault. And he's like, you know, after all of this, maybe she is safer in the psych ward than with you. And I'm like, "Mm." I mean, because she's out of the house, maybe. But otherwise, like, right. "Mm." Because, like, Ben's not a threat. Like, no, he's not he's an idiot. hurt anyone. He's an like, idiot. He's just dumb. Right. Um, so he goes over and he's looking at the rubber man mask when Moira comes up to seduce him yet again. And he's asking about it. And she's like, I have no idea. Well, what do you mean? And he's like, I just, this just keeps coming up. I don't know what's going on. And he was like, and, and he said, you're always in this house and you see everything. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. And uh, then lo and behold he starts believing vivian and he's like oh my god she was attacked like okay it took an entire psych ward like to get you there but fine he's like i he's we're like, here I now i've made a huge mistake yeah and then when moira walks away she turns around and she's like now you're seeing things and she's the real moira because he's not messing around anymore he finally knows like he's finally standing up and saying that he's not going to sleep with other women even with all the and he admitted that the house was a problem yes he admitted the house was a problem he admitted he believed viv he admitted that he was wrong like he came to all these revelations for himself and and when she turned around as old moira i was like yes i was like when it was happening i was like i'm pretty sure this is the scene i'm pretty sure this is the one and then it happened i was like yes good job and then we get our next uh, guest star, Billy Dean's back. And uh, I just love her. She's insane. I love her. So she comes to Constance's and she's talking about her pilot that she's going to have for her new show because of her mediumness and whatnot. And Constance, she's like, I'm feeling all these things about a baby. She's like, is there a menopause baby? And Constance is like, absolutely not. And so she starts kind of like asking her questions about babies and everything. And she's like, let me tell you a story. And she's like, I'm going to tell you a story about the Pope's box, which I didn't, I don't know any of these things. So I don't know if any of them are real. I was going to look it up and I didn't. Um, I mean, the Pope's box is um, absolutely like a huge um, conspiracy theory, really mm -hmm. about like what happens in when the Pope becomes like the room of tears in the Pope's box is like, uh, it is kind of like the thought when you become president you learn about aliens type thing (laughs) yeah okay and what happened was there's this room that you get all the information that you need and it's supposedly a room where you like have a conversation with god now that you've become holy and without Mm -hmm. blame or whatever and pope leo the 13th um in 1878 was said to have like been so overwhelmed by it that he like cried and so that's where it got the name the room of tears but like the actual like theory of what's in the box and why it's the root that's all conspiracy theory well i'm glad that they included it then because billy dean goes on to tell the story that you told but with less words so i understood it better when you told it um and she well, says she that also was box. being way more dramatic which was the best moment yeah. of that was when uh constance was like there's no camera here just tell me the fucking story yeah but you'll see billy dean that's the way she is so um so she says 
he opens the box, the Pope, and it's the secret of the Antichrist. And it says that it'll be a child born of human and spirit. And that is where we're left off. Well, no. Yes, but the line that she says is the final line of the episode. Mm -hmm. Even my mom was cackling. She was like, if the Holy Spirit just whispered in the Virgin Mary's ear to create Christ, don't you think Satan's going to want a little more bang for his buck? Yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Dead. Absolutely dead. Yeah. So, uh, that was this episode. And, uh, it was interesting and um what are i, w- I want to ask you your thoughts first before we move on to other things what are your thoughts what are your predictions what do you think this episode is uh setting us up for well obviously this episode is setting us up for like finding out what is going on with the babies and um where all of this is headed and the secret of the house i guess um, but honestly, I'm actually probably more confused than I was two episodes ago because I don't <laughs> No, I just, I'm not, I feel like I'm at the point where there's too many cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm. and I don't think that it is possible for four more episodes to not even three more episodes so for three more Mm -hmm. episodes to wrap everything up in a way that i'm fully satisfied with and i'm aware that there are going to still be some mysteries happening because then i know that other american horror stories connect back to this and i get that it's supposed to be a horror so there isn't going to be a big fancy bow at the end but i currently feel like there are too many loose ends for me to feel satisfied with the end of the season knowing it's an anthology show and that season two isn't picking up where it left off and i don't like that that's fair and it's a fair conclusion i'm not like i'm not i'm not saying that the ending is going to be bad i'm sure i'm going to Mm -hmm. like where what they do with it but i just i feel like i'm not going to be fully satisfied i think that's fair i think that's fair and i cannot wait to hear what you think after it's finished um but i also just don't like them introducing the black dahlia because i feel like it's just one too many people like you know what i mean like there was already so many stories and now that we're more than halfway through the season like the first six episodes of 12 all having new stories Mm -hmm. of murder to like give you the idea of how big the house was that's fine. But now we're at season, we're at episode nine of 12. We're supposed to be headed toward the wrap up. We have all of the ghosts from the past and all of the history that we're still trying to figure out. Plus all of the people who continuously die in every episode. At this point, I just feel like there's, it was unnecessary to add another one. I agree. I think it was a bit gratuitous. Um, I think it was only done to give a bit more of a tie-in for Charles Montgomery, even though I don't think that, that was necessarily like necessary because I don't think it was necessary. He could have had the same we- point. Like he still could have mutilated the body and got rid of it because we know what happened with the child, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be in the way of the Dahlia. I think it was definitely gratuitous and meant to just like be like, here's another thing that people know about. Here, come watch this episode. Yeah, that's what it felt yeah. more like a oh, the Black Dahlia is really popular right now. Let's make sure that she's yeah. in the show. 
And I think that we already have enough questions about Charles Montgomery and already know he's fucked up enough stuff to not necessarily need him to keep doing that. So I liked there being a way to get rid of Travis, even though I don't think that that was even really necessary. Um, The obviously the story about the, baby and the thing about that and the billy dean part of this episode and ben's arc in this episode were fantastic but most Mm -hmm. of the episode was focused on this extra murder that wasn't necessary and i so i I don't i didn't love this episode and that's fair i think that's fair and i agree this is not also not one of my favorites um, because I, I agree, I think it's unnecessary. I think it was gratuitous. I think we've got enough going on, and it doesn't have, I guess, a bit of a spoiler. It doesn't have enough effect on anything moving forward. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that it would even that even that that doesn't even feel like a spoiler because I can't imagine that at this point with yeah. everything else that's going on, what would that add other than an, another link to Charles Montgomery and the death in the house, which we yeah. already have so much of. I think being the first season, they tried to pack in as much as they could. Um, I do not think moving forward we have as much of this time this type of um unnecessary inclusion of stuff. Not that they didn't tie it in because they did tie it in. I just don't think that it mattered. Yeah. Um but yeah, so who do you want to punch in the face? Hayden. Fuck that bitch. I mean, I was really unhappy with Hayden in general, but then killing Travis was literally so unnecessary. Was, but, you know, she died this really hormonal time in her life. And so I'm like, and we already know she had something mentally unstable in her brain. Like, yeah, but so it's not surprising to me. (laughs) No, it's just, I don't need any more dead people. Like I already have so, there's already so many dead people (laughs) and so many things going on. Why do I need to kill another person to get to the end of the story? I just did not yeah. care. For, I don't. And also, yeah. like, the last thing I would ever want to do is fucking piss Constance off. What's the matter? She's dead. Yeah, because she, Constance, avoids making Moira's death a living hell. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, um, I picked Constance. <laughs> she was very she was mean really this mean this episode. Yeah, she was just nasty like the whole time. And like sure she's emotional. Like she's got some other things going on with her children dying and whatnot. Yeah. But like there's no need to be that mean to anyone. Especially mm-hmm. people that like actually care about you. So Right. Constance. So who's your MVP? Ben. I know. I know stupid bit i'm just i'm too mad at him this episode i don't think he handled everything correctly and i think we're seeing a lot of his consequences that he's trying to clean up last minute but i get it i get it um mine's the cop because he just came in straightened everything out and was very to the point he was like look i'm just doing my job you mean the security guard not the cop yeah the security guard yeah the cop who was like you know the cop sucked (laughs) the missing persons guy was sucked no um but yeah so security guard is my my mvp because he didn't suck <laughs> everyone else did except viv but she was dated so you know yeah what are you gonna do 
I have a couple things for trivia. Um, this is the only episode that Violet isn't in. I was going to make a comment about, about the fact that she was mm-hmm. not in it. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was any real reason. It just was the way it played out. Yeah. Um, I did try to look it up and there was nothing that said anything about it. So it is what it is. Also, the carton of cigarettes that uh, Constance was smoking, they are decorated and look absolutely like Pall Malls, but it actually says Pell-Mell, which is uh, which means in a confused, rushed, or disorderly manner, or helter-skelter, which yes. is obviously much more entwined in death and destruction. So I yes. thought that was fun because it wasn't like easily noticed. Yeah. Um, and the only goof is one that we kind of mentioned, we kind of talked about, is that, like, Hayden knew exactly who the Black Dahlia was, and Ben had, like, no idea. And it's like, she said, she talked about how, like, she was on the paper for two months, and obviously, everyone knew who the Black Dahlia was in 2011. And yeah. Ben doesn't. Like, what rock is he under? So... I mean, to be fair, I mean, everybody knows who the Black Dahlia is, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is going to immediately know that Elizabeth Short is the Black Dahlia. I guess, but like, I think it, I don't think it's necessarily a goof to say that a man in his forties doesn't know who that, who a serial killer victim is. And a woman in her early twenties does like that checks out with society. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's fair, but like a white girl just in her twenties, so like, yeah, but a white girl in her twenties knows everything about a serial killer or like about yeah, I mean, true, true crime. Yeah. Very, very true. So, um, I have a bit of a teaser for next week, which may be a bit surprising, but we do get a bit more of Larry's backstory next week. So we're coming coming back to kind of where oh, we that, started. Does that mean my favorite actress will be back in the episode? Larry's wife? I love her. Oh. We'll see. I mean, TBD. if we're going to get his backstory, we probably will. TBD. I haven't watched the episode yet, so... You only vaguely remember, but we do get a bit of his backstory. So on that note, um, if you have thoughts, feelings, want to complain about Ben with me, you can email us deathandaliens at gmail.com. Find us on all of the social media at deathandaliens. You can find me at cecloud13. And you can find me everywhere at emkay underscore superstar. And we'll see you for Sci-Fi Sunday. Bye.